My name is Brandon Wade, but you can call me Mr. Brandon Wade. You can call me B2. You can call me B squared. You can call me B Wade. But I got two rules for you if you're going to call me anything. Speak life and keep it real. If you do that, you're good in my book. Welcome to Pay It Forward. Whether this is a short episode or a long episode, I give you the greatest commodity that I have. Myself, who I am, who I'm learning to be, and who I've been. I give you my experiences. I give you my heart. I give you the parts of myself that even I don't necessarily want people to know. So if you're going to show up here, my only request to you is this. If you're blessed by anything that you hear from me, pay it forward to somebody else and speak life into the people that you're around. So let's check out what the show's about today. Ain't no clouds gonna make it rain. So today I found out that um, this famous brother uh, who's known on the Ellen show and he does a bunch of like DJing and apparently he was like a really good dancer. He was a husband, a father, all these great things that um, this brother died by suicide uh, as of today. And uh, he was a young brother. I mean, he looked like he couldn't have been much older than me, like 35, 36. I've seen this dude on like shows and like, like, again, he's very popular, talented, you know, big smile on his face. And, you know, everyone always spoke very highly of him and was like, man, this guy, you know, he's very full of kindness, always treats people the same, always treats people with respect, always treats people with value. And everybody was like really shocked and heartbroken that, you know, this person died by suicide. And, you know, even my mom was kind of really shook up and she felt, you know, a certain way about what she saw. And when I looked at, you know, his pictures or whatever, I saw something that it helped me to kind of get where he was coming from. And dang, if I don't understand the feeling. Um, I was like, I could bet you that that brother's under a lot, was under a lot of pressure in his own mind and in the minds of others. He might not have even had that actual pressure, but he just might have felt like he was under that pressure in his own mind. I was like, that brother probably felt very lonely, um, very like he was masking, probably was under a lot of insecurities and dealt with a lot of deep, painful things in his own mind and. He probably felt he really had no place to go, no place to turn. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've experienced the most, I've kind of experienced, I feel like both sides of the spectrum, but one of the scariest things that I've ever experienced in life, other than being rejected, what's rejection flipping hurts. Oh my God. Rejection hurts. But one of the things I've experienced the most that's, even more terrifying than that is being well liked for things that may or may not have to do with you. And one of those things that people tend to like people for immediately is talent. People tend to assume that because you're talented, that you're happy or that because you have a gift at something that you, it translates to every area of your life and it doesn't. It like really doesn't. And that brother was very talented in every area of his life. And even the people that were talking about him were like, 
as soon as I saw that brother, I was like, let me guess, you're going to tell him that he's talented. He was like, I just saw the talent that that brother had, and I just knew he was going to be successful. And I was like, and for some reason or other, we still to this day are hella shallow. Like we attribute success in the world and success and this idea of success to genuine contentment, life, joy, and happiness. And it's true that those things can influence and aid that but those things don't have nothing to do with how the, the emotional and mental quality of somebody's life. And this was the stuff I was talking about when I was 10 years old. And I talked about I was struggling to, you know, not to respect my own talents because, man, I was 10 years old and I was begging God. I didn't even know God at the time, but I was begging whatever God did that was willing to enter, listen to me. I was like, if there's any God out there. Please don't let me become famous. And I remember I pointed to the screen with my mom when I saw that. And my mom was like, I don't understand, like, what happened with him. And I pointed to the screen. I said, that's why I did it. I said, because I didn't want to end up like that. I didn't want to end up, you know, 34 on top of the world and miserable on the inside, crushed and felt like I couldn't reach out. Because the world was demanding something of me that I didn't know how to give. And so much of the reality is, is that adults are just kids on the inside. And a lot of us were just kids raising kids. And that brother could have very well just been a kid on the inside, lonely and scared. Having the weight of expectations of his family, of his kids, of his wife, of his job. They're always expecting him to be happy, always expecting this, always expecting these things. And it's crazy how people will be so quick to when they see you not acting the way that they feel that you should act. They want to change it. And it's not so much that they want to change it so you can feel better. They want to change it so they can feel better. Because that's what kids do. It's not a terrible thing. It's a childish thing. It's what kids do. When we see somebody sad that we feel like we need to be happy, we do whatever we can to make them happy. Because oftentimes we feel like if they're not happy around us, it's our fault. It's a kid thing. And I told my mom, and it was I, it was a little bit shocking that she actually believed that about me. I told my mom, I was like, Mom, you know, I'm not going to do that, right? Like, I'm not going to, like, end my life or something like that or even try to end my life over something like that. Like, I'm creating community. And it just went back to uh, a conversation that that I always hear um, one of my relationship mentors that I listen to, um, Brian Reeves, Brian Reeves inside, bring him up a lot because I really do agree with his philosophies and I understand the need. And boy, did it hit me today. I got two personal experiences. I'm telling you, all it hit me today. He always says this. He's like, men need community. We need community that is able to bear the emotional and spiritual and physical weight of what it means to just be a man in this world. Men need men to be able to witness each other, to be able to see each other, to be able to relax around each other and to be able to tell each other, you are not alone. Just to be able to witness the pressures of what it takes to be a man. Like how many times can a man not really admit to the fact that he's like, I feel terrified. I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough. Most men feel that. And the reality is, is a lot of the suffering that has gone on in this world is because you've got men that do not feel that they are good enough, that they are just enough in this world. 
there is always some demand that other men have created that society has created that tells men why don't you have more you got 10 million why don't you have 20 million you got 20 million why don't you have 50 million you got one wife and she's happy well you better hope she stays happy you feel me you got this and that and and men are constantly dealing with these subconscious cues so we're not even able to show up for women when women show up for us, whether it's our daughters, our mothers, our wives, our sisters, our girlfriends or whatever, and they show up in the fullness of who they are, we're like, no, stop it. You are making me address something that I don't know how to address. I felt it today. I really felt it today. And I've got a couple more experiences that I want to share because a lot of this stuff ties into what I'm talking about is is, is grief and, and, and pain and, 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 and the need to be able to cry, the need to be able to heal. There's so many things that we are taught the very opposite of as men. And we're taught that those things are strength and they are not necessarily strength. They are elements that are conducive to survival, but they are not elements that are conducive to you actually becoming stronger. I sat with that when we were we were going to um, get a PCR test, a uh, COVID test. Um, both me and my mom were a little under the weather, so we went to go to get a COVID test. And uh, I was just thinking about that, and I was just like, that brother was alone. I was like, I didn't even got to guess that. I said, that brother was, was trying to bear the weight of all of the struggles that he's dealing with as a black man, as a successful black man, as a black man in the industry. He's dealing with all these struggles and all these emotional struggles, and he was cracking under the weight. And he was trying not to show his parents, his, 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 his kids, his friends, because he's like, they all need me. They're all relying on me, and dang it if I don't understand that feeling too. Now, was that feeling probably necessarily all that entirely true in his life? Did he probably have support he didn't know about? Oh, Absolutely. But was that feeling real enough to him? Yeah, it was. And that feeling is so real, especially amongst men, especially amongst me. I um had just had a conversation with um a sister, a friend, um, and. I was just talking about some things that I wanted to do um, when, as I enter into a relationship and some things where I was like learning about myself and learning about being on the autistic spectrum and having ADHD has made so many things make a lot of sense for me, uh, especially the way that my mind works and the way that like I've had to train myself over and over and over to kind of try to pick up on and compensate for all these social cues that I feel like I still to this day don't really understand. And we were just talking about something very simple, like, you know, what if a girl winks at you? And I was just like, I don't like I could probably make a good guess at what that means. But that could mean a lot of things that could mean I like you. That could mean I think your outfit is cool. That can mean I have an interest in you. That could mean we just shared a joke that can mean like 20 different things. And I said, for my own sake, I would want to ask what it meant. Is it uncomfortable for me to ask? Yes. As a 32-year-old, there's this stigma that's like, you should know that already. And I'm like, well, why? Why should I know that already? And I was this, 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 you know, she, this, this person was asking me like, well, 
you know, you'll figure it out. And, you know, they'll kind of, you'll kind of know. And he was like, you're, you're smart. You'll know. And I was like, well, it's likely that I could, but I was already starting to feel kind of like, wow, I don't, I don't really feel seen in this moment. And I'm like, okay, this is an area of insecurity for me. And so I told this person and I said, and then they, they asked me, you know, what insecurity? And I thought about it in this moment and I realized something. I said, this conversation, as much as this person is a friend, as much as this person genuinely cares about me, and as much as this person is just showed up for me, this was not a conversation for this person. This was a conversation for a community of stable and mature men who would understand the insecurity that I have and the feeling that I have. This was a conversation for a community, and this community doesn't just mean for older men. It means for younger men, too. I've seen some of my nephews and people that I know that's like street, you know, you know, really street in these streets. And they they say things like, man, I don't know why I would want to go to therapy. Like, I feel like I don't even know what my own feelings are. And I'm like, man, I feel you. You know, all of the behind all that armor and stuff like that that we carry throughout the world, a lot of us are just kids trying to play at something bigger than we understand and we're just trying to fit in those shoes that we feel like were laid out for us by people that we thought were grown and we found out they were kids too and I realized in that moment I was like I can't blame this person if they don't understand me because they have their own desires and their own thoughts and their own cravings and their own longings and this conversation was one for that group of men, that group of men that's willing to show up and say, hey, here you are not judged for having an insecurity, just that it exists. And so much about maturity and growth is just acceptance. Like to be able to accept that I feel that way. And it's a scary thing when people unintentionally or intentionally, not saying that this person has done so because they really didn't, but it's a scary thing in this world when people unintentionally or intentionally end up rejecting you because they're like, you can't be like that. Because if you're like that, then I don't get my fantasy fulfilled. It's a scary thing when people are not able to see you in that moment because so much of life is just people wanting to be seen and heard. So many issues that are going on with politics and, and war and, and fighting and all this oppression, especially all this abortion stuff. It's just people trying to get seen and heard and willing to oppress genders in order to get that need met. I'm not trying to belittle the struggles that are going on with women and abortions and things of that nature, but so many things in life are just people throwing tantrums and some of them are throwing tantrums in power and they're just like I need you to see me I need to feel validated I need to feel like I am not a failure I need to feel like I am enough and they are reaching out and 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 squeezing the world to try to make sure that the world understands and even then that feeling is still not satisfied there's a thing that you know uh, Brian talks about where he says a man without a father's praise never feels successful. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. 
there is a certain level of security that a man feels no matter what his age is when he has an elder man that tells him you are successful and loved and received and accepted just for who you are you don't need to be any different you don't need to be any greater you don't need to be any lesser who you are right now at every moment is good enough for me there are so many men in this world myself included that want to hear that and there are so many men in this world that will dang near do anything to keep that it's part of why I went through so many things with the spiritual mentor figure he was like that for me always was very happy to be around me and things like that and just for that sense of validation men do just about anything Men oftentimes mistakenly look for the woman to be the, the, the father in the relationship, and the woman can't be that. That's not her role or her or her place. You know, she's not designed to do that. She's designed to be who she is, whatever that looks like. And um, I felt for that brother when I when I when I saw him on the TV screen, I was like, I felt for him and I felt like I saw a lot of myself in him. How many expectations you just you're just trying to survive, you're just trying to get through, you're trying to make sure that you just don't fail people. Because you feel like you're always right on the razor's edge of failure. Whether it's perceived failure whether it's failure in relationship, you know, whatever it is, you just feel like you're always on the razor's edge of perceived failure. That you were able to survive another conversation. And God, is that's no way to live. That's no way to live. But just having this conversation, you know, with this person, and it just added on to what I was already going to say, because I was already going to talk about this, but then when I asked them, I said, well, wait a minute. This person, this conversation likely isn't for them because I'm ready to open up about a deep insecurity and they may show up for me, but I'm kind of starting to put an expectation on someone in a way that they may not be able to show up for me simply because that's not something that they're just, they may not be fully able to understand. But as a man, I know that I would be able to tell that to that community of men and they would go like, I understand. And sometimes it just needs to be accepted that you feel that way. But dang it, if I didn't realize in that moment that I really do need a community of men like that, that are just able to say, hey, I get it. I see you. I see you. And just to do nothing else but just witness you to witness your successes, to witness your mistakes, and just to witness you and to let you know that it's okay to make mistakes. You know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate, you know, and I've appreciated in the mature male communities that I've been had a chance to be involved in is mature men don't try to machismo each other out of doing something or into doing something. Oh, you scared. Why did you do that? A mature man is going to be like, I feel terrified right now and I'm going to go on and do it. And it encourages other men to go on and do certain things because they also realize that it's OK to feel scared, that you don't have to be the most mature person in the room. There have been experiences that I've had when I've been around men that just were flat out not were not just not scared. They were OK with being scared. 
They were okay with feeling uncomfortable. And they were okay with going first. And I was like, this is encouraging me. This is inspiring me. This is what it means to be a man. It's not being able to conquer every task. That doesn't make you a man. It's being able to allow yourself to succeed, to fail, allow yourself the presence to, to misunderstand. And sometimes it's not even the fear that I won't understand something. Like I was talking to this young lady about this. It's not the fear that I would not understand something. It's the fear that not understanding something would cause me to be rejected again. Because I have experienced that as most men have and as most people have. The sense of dismissal and rejection that comes from the, the, the misunderstanding that you don't understand something. And social cues, as much as I've studied them, as much as I've learned to observe people and watch people and understand where people are coming from and use empathy, still terrify me. I still feel terrified. And I guess part of my journey is accepting that this is a feeling that I have, even if other people are not able to understand that. Why would you feel terrified? You're so smart. You have this, you have that. And what does any of that have to do with who you are? The ironic thing about fear and the acceptance of fear is the acceptance of fear really doesn't make you weaker. Like people think to accept fear or to reject fear somehow makes you stronger. Like rejecting fear does not make you stronger. To accept that you feel scared of something doesn't mean that you are scared of something. It just means that you feel fear of something. Many of the fears that I've had, if not 99.9% .9 of them, have not ever happened. But the fear can run deeper. Sometimes the fear can run from the fact that the person that you're speaking to may not be in the capacity to accept that side of you as a person. And isn't it a terrifying and painful thing to not feel that you will be accepted for the person that you are in that moment? is why vulnerability costs something because vulnerability is always going to cost you before it costs somebody else and community that can support vulnerability is community that is going to thrive is community where people are going to be more balanced and more mature and even more resilient you know, I, I got a chance and I'll, I'll probably end up doing a whole segment on on grief. Um, but. I had a, 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 a one of the best moments of my life um, recently, I've I don't know if I've mentioned it on pay it forward or whatever, but I've had times where I've struggled with sleep and I've struggled with sleeplessness for a cool minute to where I would just have times where I'd sleep and it'd be good. And all of a sudden I'd just be like up two days, three, you know, and recently I'd gotten a time where I was just up awake two days, couldn't sleep. You know, I had, I had felt some flu symptoms, but I just couldn't sleep. Like no matter what I did, I just couldn't go to sleep. And it was to the point where I was dang near feeling delirious. It was the worst I'd ever felt sleeplessness. 
and I had stumbled upon this this kind of subliminal video that was like letting go of grief. And I recognized that I'd been grieving because this is a Christmas season. And again, it's a season without my my, my dad, my biological dad. And uh, there's been a lot of grief coming up there. And this time it just was overwhelming. And so I went downstairs and I asked my mom, you know, what, you know, if, if, if she could hug me and she did. And I just felt like I was really in a space of grief and I just started crying. I wailed. I wailed. I cried. I screamed. I cried. I cried for like an hour and I've never felt happier about that. I cried for things years ago. I cried for things that were happening right then. I cried happy tears, sad tears, frustrated tears, lonely tears, longing tears. I cried and my mom was there for me and she held me and I cried 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 and I cried. And I cannot tell you how much benefit that has been for me. And I realized in that moment, I hadn't grieved. I hadn't grieved a lot of stuff that I didn't know anything about grief, really. I just kind of just been pushing through. Why? Because that's what God, that's what oftentimes we feel like we're required to do as men. Push through. Shrug it aside. Keep it, keep going. And so much emphasis is not placed on grief on what needs to be done and said how important grieving is like many things that happen that are just minor sad things need to just be grieved they need to be stopped and acknowledged and we're not really good at that because society's like hey bro did it did it did it knock your arm off no did it knock your head off no then keep moving you know you got work to do you got a family to feed we always coming up with something you even got billionaires out there hustling at three in the morning what you hustling for bro you did it you got it well, I got a family, man. I got a family to feed. No, you could feed 100,000 families and not even blink right now. You you good. I think you good, bro. But people are still searching for a purpose because they've never been able to grieve. And so much of this hustle work culture is a is a grief is a is a non-grieving culture. And when I cried, I cried and I cried and I cried and I I I am deeply hoping that I'll be able to do that again. I'm hoping that in times to come that I'll be able to touch that side of myself and cry over things that matter, that I'll be able to cry when something really ha- makes me happy. I cry over anime a lot too. When something really is good, man, I definitely cry. If I cry over a, she- a show or something like that, and a lot of times people are like, man, that's not, you're not a man because you cry. You know, it's it's funny that people think that and they and we've always had this idea that to, to, to be stoic and to be unmoving and and kind of unmoved by things in the world makes you resilient. And it, 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 it doesn't really. I have a deep respect for people that believe in stoicism and the the traits of stoicism, and I have a deep respect for that. And there is so much in life that can be unlocked when you are in touch with the things that matter like you don't become a wild emotional person because you cry especially if you're a man it really can help you not only be aware of who you are and what you are but you can step into the fullness of what it means to be a man you can step into the laugh that means you can laugh if you can cry you can laugh if you can cry you can you can feel the feelings go through your body and if and even even then if you can acknowledge your feelings you can master them 
And then when the times come where you're deeply enraged by something and you need to be able to have control and patience, you'll be able to do it because you're not going to be afraid of the rage inside of you. And so much of us, including myself, have been terrified of our feelings, terrified of how we would react, terrified of our own our own skin, terrified of our own bodies. And that's because we were always taught as long as your body work, you mind your own business. You, you tell it to shut up and do what you, you muscle through. So many of us learn from the military, even indirectly. Some of us learn from jail indirectly. Some of us learn from different places in which those were the best options for people to have a mature quality of life at a certain time. But now there's a deeper need for emotional maturity. And oftentimes they were like, well, you know, there are places that you should cry. There are places that you can cry. And you want to know something? Some of the only places that are temporarily acceptable for a man to cry is when some deep person dies right next to them. That's like they're like direct family member and they're at a funeral. And in that scenario, then maybe they can possibly shed a few tears. Maybe. But after that, they need to smile and shrug it off. And that's why you wonder why these men die early of cancers and illnesses and lung disease and all this stuff like that. And you're like, how come they're dying? I said, because the body is still keeping score, even if the mind forgot. That's why it still happens. That's why people are still doing this. They're lonely. There's so many men right now that are in relationships that have the best quality of life on paper, but are deeply lonely on the inside. And I can imagine that brother that just died was one of them. Deep, high quality of life. Everything seemed like it's working on paper, lonely on the inside. Nobody really asking him, hey, bro, you got any insecurities? You got anything going on, man? I'm just here. For, I'm just here for you, man. Um, I was listening to a story again. Um, you know, Brian, I say, hey, if you listening, bro, uh, you are impacting a lot of people because it's what you have done has deeply impacted me. Um, where he talked about a story that it was in one of his groups or whatever, where a guy had uh, just flat out didn't have any friends. And I understand the feeling, you know, as a man, just feeling like, hey, you know, I handle it. You know, it's it's all good. And he didn't just didn't have any friends, but he had joined this group. And um, this guy had um, something messed up had happened to him. And he reached out to somebody in the group and he said, you know, you know, I'll be all right. But the reality was, is that he was really messed up. He'd had like a car accident or something, something crazy had happened and he was alone and he reached out to him. He couldn't say it, but he reached out to him because that was the only person he knew to call. And his friend flew all the way out there to where he was. And he didn't do nothing. He came to the dude's hospital and he just stayed with him and he just read him stories. And man, that touched my heart real, that touched my heart real deep. He just didn't do nothing but read him stories. And he stayed with him. And that friend group showed up for that man. And that man that day knew that he had friends. That unconditionally just loved him and had his back that weren't afraid of the, the, the pain and the struggles that he was dealing with, that weren't afraid of whatever problems that he had. And so many of the times, because men don't have friend groups like that, we put our burdens on the women. 
you know, the women in our lives, whether it be your daughter. Some people are like, man, I'm I'm a better man because of my daughter. Well, that's not really your daughter's responsibility. And that's hard to say. It's hard for me to say that, you know, not being a father in that way yet. But I'm not trying to judge it. But it's like you put that on your wife. You're like, man, my wife changed my life. Well, maybe she did, but that's not her responsibility. Like, it's not her responsibility to change and make you a better person. Like, we need community of men to do that. And I'm going to be working in the, the near future to form a community like that. Because if you don't have one, then you can create one. So I'm going to be using whatever tools I have or whatever and trying to form this community because I need this community. And I'll be honest, I don't know what it looks like. I don't really feel equipped or don't really absolutely feel like I have the tools to really lead and show up in a community like that. But I know that there is a need and I know that I need it. So I guess I just felt that I, I wanted to make sure that I shared this too, was that when I was talking to this person and we were just talking about an insecurity I had, I said, this is an insecurity that I know that many men in my life would really would, would understand and would be able to really be with. And this friend of mine has been, been there for me in a lot of scenarios, but I recognize that this wasn't really her burden. That this is why men need community is because there's certain aches and lonelinesses that only men can really speak to. You know, I believe it's the same with women, that there are certain aches and lonelinesses that no matter how skilled a man is in communicating, that only a woman can speak to. And I just recognized it in that moment. And I said, you know something? They're on to something when they talk about men just needing a safe group of men that are with you regardless of what happens that are with you regardless of whether you up phenomenal or whether you feel down phenomenal, that they're with you regardless and that they see you, that they're not just holding you accountable and they're not just showing up to enforce rules and laws in your life, but they are there to be present with you. They are there to show up as people, not as enforcers. So this prayer for me, just as much as it is for y'all, my prayer is that anyone under the sound of my voice, God, that you would bring us all into mature, healthy, especially if you're a man, male and female community. God, that we would be able to see each other and see us like you see us. Lord, that you'd be able to, to touch our hearts and teach us about who you are by teaching us that we have people in our lives that are unconditionally there and love us for exactly who and where and what we are. So, Lord, I just thank you that you already had that in the works long before this conversation. And just let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for showing up for me, with me, and in every way. You know, my prayer is that y'all pay it forward. You know, if y'all really blessed by the stuff I say or whatever it is, and it helps minister to y'all, man, go pay it forward to somebody, man. Go tell somebody else and be there for somebody else, you know. I really appreciate with y'all. Um, like I said, I've been, you know, up in the air on some of these guest segments. I've always had a reason, but there's an appointed time for it. And I'm I have a lot of the equipment and stuff and um, we're going to see what what comes of it. So um, I love you guys. Thank you guys for always tapping in and may the peace of God be on your life wherever you go. Peace. Shalom. Love y'all, man. <laughs>